0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Recognizing the absence of a God named Yahweh outside of ancient Israel, Robert Miller addresses the related questions of Yahweh's origins and the biblical claim that there were Yahweh worshipers other than the Israelite people. Beginning with the Hebrew Bible, with an exhaustive survey of ancient Near Eastern literature and inscriptions discovered by archaeology, and using anthropology to reconstruct religious practices and beliefs of ancient Edom and Midian, he proposes an answer. Yahweh worshiping Midianites of the early Iron Age brought their deity along with metallurgy into ancient Palestine and the Israelite people. Join us as we talk with Robert Miller about his latest book, Yahweh, Origin of a Desert God. You're listening to New Books and Biblical Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm Michael Morales, your host. Robert Miller II is Ordinary Professor of Old Testament and Associate Dean for Graduate Studies at the Catholic University of America. Bob, welcome back to New Books and Biblical Studies. Good to be with you again. So, Bob, tell us something about the mystery concerning the origins of Yahweh, the God of Israel. What led you to write this book?
1: So I I've, had I've done a lot of work on imagery that the Old Testament borrows and reuses in different ways from their Canaanite neighbors. And when I was doing that, I realized there was at least one significant piece that was coming from somewhere else. Uh, one of the, the, the core of that is the name Yahweh, which is completely unknown in Canaanite religion. Uh, completely unknown outside the Bible for, uh, for all intents and purposes. And there also is a, a trend sort of in the background uh, where the Bible seems to think that there were people worshiping God other than Israelites, particularly people to the south of the Israelite community. So I started just sort of going into this not knowing where it was going to lead, to try to explain what I was calling this southern element in, uh, in Israel's God. The, the, why this image of God having something to do with the South? Beginning with
0: the biblical text, the Hebrew Bible, what clues are there as to the origins of the worship of Yahweh?
1: And I started really with two sets of biblical texts. One are these traditions of Israel claiming that other people worship God, such as Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, who Moses meets uh, this priest of God who's not a descendant of Abraham. How can he be a priest of God? He's a Midianite, which is vaguely northwestern Arabia, including the Sinai Peninsula. And there were scholars over 100 years ago arguing that Yahweh was originally the God of the Midianites, and, and this was called the Midianite hypothesis. And it was largely discredited in the 20th century. So I did not expect to be revisiting it uh, and, and didn't for quite a while. What I determined with these traditions of, of worshipers of God outside of Israel is that I could trace this back at least to maybe the year 700 B.C., But then I also looked at these other passages that are poetry that talk about God coming from the south. Uh, And you have these in Judges and in Psalms. Uh, The Lord marches from Seir or Paran or Tamon. These are various words for um, the southern part of Israel, the northern part of Arabia, southwestern corner of what's now Jordan. And I realized quickly, this is not about the, ex, or the exodus. It's not about God coming down on Mount Sinai. It's about God marching from the south or appearing in the south. And these are actually very old passages of Hebrew poetry. And I think these go back maybe to the, um, the 11th century or the 10th century. So that pushed this whole tradition of God being associated with the South much further back. And in all of these poems, it's Yahweh. It's never the generic uh, Elohim that just means God. It's always the the name Yahweh. And there's this association that Israel has articulated, obviously now in, in more than one way, that associates God with the same region of Northwest Arabia, Southwest Jordan, and the Sinai Peninsula in texts that are not talking about the revelation on Mount Sinai. This is something completely different. Any other examples from Scripture that you pursued? Well, there are a lot of other texts that were sort of tangentially uh, uh, attached to this tradition of non-Israelites worshiping God. Uh, There are what the Bible calls Kenites, uh, who also seem to come from this period, who, see, who worship God, that show up in, let's say, Judges 4. Uh, Their associations between the Midianites and the Kenites and the figure of Caleb, and the, Cal- the genealogy of Caleb, who's a, a companion of Joshua, although eventually Israel tries very hard to make him a member of the tribe of Judah, it seems that in the earliest traditions, he's probably not, and that he also may have been a foreigner, either a a Midianite or a a Kenite. And a Kenite, there's no region of Cain. I mean, ostensibly, the name would mean descendants of Cain, but of course, Cain can't really have any descendants. Uh, But there is a connection, perhaps, with the meaning of the word uh, Cain or Kenite, which is a smith, a blacksmith. Uh, And maybe we can talk about metallurgy more in a little bit. But I also knew there were some non-biblical texts, and that was really the next sort of piece to try to bring in. Right. You also find corroborating clues for your proposal outside of Scripture. Tell us about some of those. Really, there are two There are two sources here. One of them is an archaeological site called Kuntiladah-Jrud, which is in the Sinai. Biblical scholars know this site very well because there's a passage or or there's an inscription there that mentions God in association with the goddess Asherah. And I was not interested in that at all. I was much more interested that there are several references in, in inscriptions from that site to Yahweh of Taman. And Taman is either simply a noun that means south, or it is a specific region, again, that northwest corner of Arabia. And this idea of Yahweh of te- being of Taman, or of the south, uh, the inscriptions from Kuntilad Ajrud push us back another couple centuries, back into the 13th or 12th century. So this seemed to be that same tradition of connecting Yahweh with the southern regions now a little bit earlier. Uh, And the other texts I knew of were Egyptian texts. And these are Egyptian texts that refer to a people that the the Egyptians called the Shasu, which were sort of semi-nomadic peoples that roamed widely uh, throughout Western Jordan and, and into Northwest Arabia, but there are some texts, three of them in particular, that identify Shasu of different places. So Shasu of, of Paran, Shasu of, and the most interesting one, Shasu of Yahweh. Uh, it's written as if it's a place name, but clearly it's the same name as uh, as the god Yahweh. Scholars have known about this for a long time and tried to figure out sort of what this is or where it is. Uh, I think it's a reference to a place name. It's not telling us that the Shasu worship Yahweh. I think it's misinterpreted that way. We have other Egyptian texts that tell us the Shasu worshiped the goddess Hathor. Uh, but it is saying that the the Shasu, or the Egyptians, know of an association of Yahweh with a place. And we can place this fairly precisely in southern Israel, southwest Jordan, the region that we now call, or that, that, that comes to be called in the biblical period, Edom. That's clearly where the Shasu Yahweh were. Shasu of a place named Yahweh, so a place that was named after a god, meaning that again, back as far as and now here we can go back to maybe the fourteenth century, certainly to the thirteenth, Yahweh is associated again with that exact same region. Your search for the origins of Yahwism led you to metallurgy. What is that about? Well, I uh, I knew that I could divide this sort of region into two. Uh, what I was calling Midian, which is not an ancient name, that name goes back to the Bible and Greek historians. The people of that region didn't call themselves Midianites, uh, which is northwest Arabia and Edom. And Edom is a kingdom that the Israelites knew of that uh, was in southern modern Israel and also in southwest Jordan. And I realized this was two different regions, and I wanted to see, is there something in the history and archaeology and religion of these two that might give us some ability to narrow down exactly what was going on and where we're talking about in particular? And I started with Edom because we know more about this region. We know more about their uh, religion. They had a god named Kaus. Uh, and seem to be sort of monotheistic in their worship of this god, Kaus. Uh, the problem I found very quickly is that really Edom is not settled until the ninth century. So although the name Edom is early, uh, it's not clear what this name, when the Egyptians use it in an earlier period, corresponds to, because the archaeology has shown really that region was not settled until the ninth century when an Edomite kingdom arises. Uh, the god Kaos is also known very early um, and is becomes the god of the Edomites, but there's really no connection between Kaus and And Yahweh. Uh, They're they're two totally different gods. The iconography is is completely different. And um, I realized very quickly Edom was not where we should be looking, and most especially because there really isn't an Edom until the 800s BC. So I started looking at uh, Midian. And here, the difficulty is there's no texts, there's just archaeology. And so I was trying to reconstruct the religion of this region from the archaeology. The other problem is the archaeology is very recent, serious excavation only in the last 15 years. And so in many cases, I was reading reports as they were coming out uh, and, and trying to piece things together. And. What I found is that in Midian, you have a a society that begins around the 13th or 12th century and um, is unique. Uh, You can see a regional coherence over, let's say, the entire region extending slightly up into southern Israel, uh, the very uh, bottom tip of modern Israel, through northwest Arabia, a uh, continuity of, of pottery and iconography and, and other things. What I was calling uh, peak sanctuaries. So these are temples uh, or, or rather open air shrines on top of mountains. One building, one building that it is clearly a religious building, but it's not temple like at all. Uh, in the city of Tama, which is the most important city for uh, Midian, I called it a, a chapter house because it seemed to me like a, a building where you would assemble a lot of people, but they're not facing any sort of uh, a statue or image. In fact, that was one of the other key characteristics of the Midianite religion is that there seemed to be no images, some very small statuettes. But no, uh, nothing. You could say this is a statue of a deity, and the reconstruction I came up with, using sort of the anthropology of religion, was uh, the worship of some kind of sky god or mountain god, a god that was aloft that they didn't want to depict with iconography. It seemed to me that was a pretty good description of Yahweh. Uh, now, the, the key here of the metallurgy is that the Midianites were clearly involved in early copper mining that was taking place in southern Israel. Uh, these were mines that were run by the Egyptians, but uh, were employed, basically, uh, Midianites, who were traveling back and forth from northern Arabia up, to the, the Timna copper mines of Israel and eventually up into some mines in Edom as well. It was clearly the same people moving back and forth between southern Israel and northern Arabia, uh, not only responsible for the mining, but responsible for the refining and responsible for the metal working it, it itself. And therefore, Technically, these would be Kenites because the name simply means uh, smiths or blacksmiths. And I found myself looking at how blacksmiths operate and are perceived throughout antiquity, and they're they're very often the transmitters of culture, particularly the transmitters of religion. And again, these are ideas people had a hundred years ago that I never thought I'd be resurrecting. But by the time I finished this, I realized I had brought this Midianite hypothesis back again to the front. My argument being the name Yahweh comes out of Northwest Arabia and is brought by these monotheistic copper and, and eventually iron workers who are moving back and forth between Arabia and southern Israel.
0: In one of Balaam's oracles in Numbers 24, he refers to the Kenites. Do you think that may be a reference to the Midianites?
1: I think so. I I mean you have that that's also a very early text. Uh, and Balaam, I mean, there is a reference there to either Cain or the Kenites. Uh and again, it's another example of a non-Israelite who knows the Israelite gods. I think this, uh, or the god, this idea is is actually fairly prevalent uh, throughout the Pentateuch. Uh, you also have a reference at Qantiladashru to the Kenites. Uh, there is a, a inscription over a, a doorpost. That is very fragmentary, but it says something like the Kenites overcame the countryside, or the blacksmiths uh, over overcame the land, or overcame the countryside. It's really fragmentary, so nobody really knows what to do with this. But here again is this reference to the blacksmiths, a reference to the Kenites. You also have at Cantilena um a, a Inscription, actually, it's in the same place as this Kenite inscription that looks just like these poetic passages from Psalms and uh, Judges. Uh, it says, "When God shone forth on them, and the, the mountains melted and the peaks were crushed." And uh, so, it, this idea of God shining forth is there in all of these other poetic passages, and it's always God coming from the south. So, I think this idea was not something that the Israelites themselves were unaware of. In fact, it it seems later on that they try to cover up a little bit by making Caleb a Judahite. Uh, The book of Chronicles even tries to make the Kenites descendants of Abraham, which they sort of have to manipulate the genealogy quite a bit. Uh, I mean, Midian is a historic enemy of Israel. So, That to me from the very beginning was a clue that if you're going to say that there are many Midianites who worship Yahweh, it must have some historical basis because the general inclination uh, in the biblical record is Midianites are unmitigably bad, uh, and so are Edomites. So any of these texts that attribute worship of God to them are flying in the face of the, the overall tradition an animus against these people.
0: So in resurrecting the Midianite hypothesis, would you say your contribution is in supplying the missing link of how a knowledge of Yahweh passed from Midian to Israel?
1: I think so. And to, to flesh it out, because you do have some scholars who still sort of have accepted the, Midian, the, the old Midianite hypothesis, but without sort of talking about the actual archaeology of Midian. I mean, that—that's the key here. Is that uh, we we have to establish outside the text that there's something reasonable in Midian that looks like a, an Israelite faith. looks like a faith in Yahweh. And Midian, uh, after a, a gap uh, throughout some of the um, uh, ninth, tenth, or ninth and eighth, seventh century, you have a. a strong presence in Midian in the seventh century, in the sixth century, and uh, associated, in fact, with the Babylonian king Nabonidus, who flees to Midian or travels to Midian for uh, some time. And we know a lot about the Midian of that period. And uh, it's totally different. And so people who've compared, quote, Midianite religion with Israel in the past have focused on this later Midianite material and I think sort of gone off in the wrong direction because it doesn't it doesn't look at all similar. but it's much easier because there we have we have actual texts. but there you have multiple gods, uh, many of them also known in, in Arabia, you have iconography uh, and none of which you have in this earlier period. Well, this
0: is now your third
1: monograph we've talked about on New Books Network.
0: Are you going to rest for a bit, or do you have other projects on the table?
1: I, I think, uh, the, to me, this is sort of the the second part to my uh, book on the dragon, the mountain, and the nations, which was on, uh, let's say, Yahweh's northern uh, traditions. Uh, I think for now I'm taking a rest on, uh, on early Israelite religion. I'm oh. working on a book now on Israelite law as. Uh, as Oral Tradition, which is another, Oral Tradition is another project that I've been working on for many years. It's not related to to this, uh, but that's another project. Well,
0: Bob, thank you so much once more for taking the time to join us on New Books in Biblical Studies. Thank you for being with us, Bob. Thank you. All right, friends, you've been listening to New Books in Biblical Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.